0: all right. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry about that guys. I plugged some earbuds in because I thought I'd be able to hear myself, but apparently you couldn't hear me. All right. So we'll start over. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let me get in this, let me get this into Facebook live again. I had to restart it, um, but uh, Sorry about that. I see I have some questions and I can definitely get to those. But I actually wanted to talk a little bit today about a question that somebody had asked me, uh, an athlete that I coach. So um, we'll try this again. So I actually have a little bit of a blog post I'll put with this. Uh, So I'm pretty much going to read from that and then we'll get to your guys' questions. All right, so yeah, you won't see me because I just have the mic on today. So there's nothing really to see unless you wanna see my um, scraggly beard. Uh, All right, so question I got was, uh, so what exactly should marathon pace feel like? So this was recently posed to me by Lisa, an athlete that I coach. And, uh, you know, ultimately I came to the conclusion that it was a great question because I don't think we've actually really addressed it. Uh, We've addressed things like strength and speed, but not necessarily the tempo. And unfortunately, a question like this has a ton of different avenues to go down. So the answer is really more like, it depends, right? So, um, which if you know me, that's my famous response to things is that it depends. Um, but I, the more I thought about it, I think there's is definitely something we should look into. And it's 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 definitely because one of the things I stress is how important it is to learn how certain paces feel, right? So uh, when I think thinking about it, I think there's four major areas that we really need to look at when we talk about this. And one is your strengths as a runner. Two, the timing and length of the workout. Three, how big of a jump you're trying to make. And four, what your goal pace is. So Number one, strengths as a runner. Your strength as a runner will initially play a role in how a marathon pace should feel. We've done a few blogs about finding these strengths and how to score yourself. And we actually start the Hanson's First Marathon book on these premises. I actually do a lot of score. There's actually a score sheet you can do, questions that I ask that you can answer yes or no to, and give you an idea of where you're at. And, and ultimately what it comes down to, though, is that if you feel – the, the, the makeup that you possess as a runner will dictate how the marathon pace feels, right? So if you are a speed demon who loves ripping up the track every Tuesday evening with a local run club, then there's a chance that you dread the Thursday tempo run, right? You don't like doing it. You'd rather be on the track than you would the tempo. That's just what you're good at. And so then not only physically, but mentally you get, you get challenged on those things and you, you seem to not, you just don't like it as much. Now, however, if you're on the other hand, if you're a person who loves going out and putting in miles, long runs, things like that, then marathon pace is probably your place of refuge. Like you can go out there and you can do that. And you you struggle much less with temple runs than you do like the speed workouts, things like that. So then the second thing is, and ultimately that's going to change, right? So that's where where the scoring and stuff kind of comes into play where if you know, and ultimately a lot of you already know this about yourself and it's something you just learn over time. But if you're new, then it, it makes a difference, right? Because you don't—you really have no idea where you're starting at. Second thing is time and length of the workout. This could mean the timing of the, in the segment, but also time of the year. For instance, people training for an October marathon will begin their training in early to mid-June. If they took some downtime and then jump right into training, then they aren't going to be acclimated to the heat and humidity. So it takes—it's going to take a few weeks to really get going into that. This certainly isn't going to make marathon pace feel very easy. But luckily you aren't running the very long tempo runs at this point and but it can certainly be more of a dream killer like you go out there and you do a four mile tempo in the first part of you know mid-july and you're like holy crap what am i going to do for another 22 miles that's very common right so that's that's something that we get all the time and if ideally what we're looking at here is if we're, we're building from that really we're building from a short run a short tempo run in the midsummer, you know, say, you know, when you start doing those in, in July and then you're going to really get through the heat of the summer through mid-July through mid-August, end of August, maybe depending on where you're at. But by that time you've done a tempo run every single week and it's gotten progressively longer. And so by the time you get to that eight, nine, 10 mile tempo, it still might be hot, but you've adapted physiologically to not only the heat and humidity, but, to a new fitness level and it's ideally going to feel easier. So I, you know, so early on, that four mile tempo run might actually feel harder than what an eight mile temple might feel, you know, six, eight weeks from then. So you really have to take that into account too. So really don't get frustrated early, just kind of wait and see what happens, especially those first few weeks. And on that note, the first marathon workouts might be tough because of it, because it's territory you know, we'll talk about it in a second, but for now we're talking about the distance in that, at that new pace. Initially that workout might feel like a lung burner because it's currently out of the realm of possibility to run that pace for a marathon. So essentially what I'm saying is if you are trying, the Boston qualifying example is the biggest one I see. And that is people trying to run significantly faster than they have in the past because they're really taking that shot at trying to qualify for Boston. Or they might just be like, I'm right off the edge of qualifying, but I'm going to need like another eight minutes just to, just to even have a chance to get in, right? So either way, they've got to make a pretty significant jump in what they have to run. And so early on, if you're making that big of a jump, then you are, you know, you might ultimately be running faster than your half marathon pace early on. Um, because that's where you're at. You know, so if you've run four hours and you know your your half marathon PR is, you know, 155, and then all of a sudden you're gonna to try to run, you know, 345 or 340, all of a sudden you're running faster than what you've run for a half marathon on these tempo runs. And so it's gonna feel significantly harder than what your actual marathon should feel like because you're trying to jump up into a very new, a brand new fitness level. So hopefully that makes sense. So, but your heart, your effort is harder because so let me refer So once you do that and then like we talked about, as you gradually progress and you get more comfortable and your fitness improves, the pace ultimately won't be the limiting factor because you've graduated from that being lactate threshold pace. And if you do it right, you progress the next six, eight weeks, all of a sudden, what was your lactate threshold is now, that's at a new higher level, right? So you move back, if you sk- if you keep that marathon pace constant, but your lactate threshold is improved, your lactate threshold went from being above, or your, your marathon pace went from being above lactate threshold to now being well below lactate threshold. So the pace itself won't be the limiting factor. What's gonna get you now is that you've gone from running four miles on a temple run to eight miles, nine miles, 10 miles at Temple Run. So there's really gonna be ex- your, your discomfort's gonna come more from the length of the run than the pace itself. But that's okay, we'll talk about that in a little bit too. All right, so then kind of piggybacking onto that, what kind of jump are you trying to make? You know, along the lines we've already talked about, the amount of improvement you're trying to make will play a big part in how pace feels. If you have someone who's running their 15th marathon, per se, they probably aren't swinging for the 30 minute PR fences. They are just trying to eke out a half percent to 2% improvement or maintain that Boston qualifying status. So they're, they're very familiar with marathon pace. It's going to feel like old hat to them. On the other hand, if you have a relative newbie who's just now learning about structured training, they might be trying to hit that walk off Homer for these folks. They're doing, they're talking about doing tempo runs that they might've been doing speed workouts the last year, just because they, one, they, they weren't doing structure training. They, a lot of times they just have no idea what their actual ability level is. And so they gravitate towards a slower pace, right? And I see that a lot. Like I see that a lot with the four plus hour crew where they just don't know where they're at. They think four hours is a good number. And then they start training. They start actually training and they're significantly faster than four hours, but they don't know exactly where they're at. So you'll see a lot of, you uh, kind of back and forth on paces and they don't really know exactly what's going on. Um, But this is going to be a major effort, especially early on for that. Mind you, I am not saying that they should or should not be going for that big walk off Homer, but I'm just pointing out the fact that they might be in the, in the camp of in air quotes. What have I gotten myself into? They might be in that camp for a few, for a few weeks because of like what we said, They're, they're, they're taking a huge step forward and they're trying to hit that home run and they're, they're actually probably overextending themselves a little bit early on in those marathon tempos. But we're trying to combat that with making them short enough where they're not doing damage to themselves. But that, but what that does make it and even more important for you folks, if you find yourself in that position, is that makes you, if you're doing your Thursday run, tempo run, and it's it's gonna be a barn burner for you and you know that, then you have to make sure that Friday and Saturday you are doing everything you can to recover from that. Because if you are overextending yourself like that on the tempo run and then pushing on the easy the two next easy runs, then you're just going to dig yourself a hole that you're never going to get out of. So I don't mind with making that tempo run hard in the beginning and being probably a little bit overzealous. But what I would caution you is don't make it harder on yourself than it needs to be by, by making the other days harder. You really have to focus on – Making sure you're slowing down on those easy days, making sure your recovery is good, your nutrition's good, things like that. Plenty of hydration, all that good stuff that you're, that you're able to do, make that count. Um, and one thing I, I didn't really talk about this when I first wrote this out, but one thing I think you could do too is uh, one. Well, I do one of these I do already with schedules I write individually. Instead of doing a tempo run, what I'll do is break that run up. So say it's a four mile tempo run the first week. I might just have them do four times one mile at marathon at goal marathon pace, knowing knowing full and well that this is a way above what their marathon pace is currently. and you just break that up so they can get used to that new marathon pace, but it's not so, defeating because it's so I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had to run four miles at this pace. I've never even run a half marathon at this pace. I can break it up, provide the stimulus, but make it something that they can actually accomplish. And then what you do over the next few weeks is so like maybe it's four times one mile, one week next week. It's one, one time, one mile, two mile, one mile. Then next week, maybe it's three times one and a half miles, you know, so basically take what we would do for strength workouts, but make them the goal marathon pace and let them kind of build into it that way, instead of just throwing them straight up tempo runs that they're probably not gonna be very successful at. So that's one thing you can do. Second thing you could probably do is start out at, so say you have a four mile tempo run, maybe what you do is you do the first two miles at your current marathon pace. So like, say you've run four hours, but you're trying to go for the 330, you just progressively make the tempo run faster so that you start out, it's your current marathon pace, let's we'll say that's four hours. And then each mile you get, try to get a little bit faster so that you can work down to that new marathon pace. And then over time, you just extend the amount of time you're spending at that new marathon pace. So that hopefully in six, eight weeks, you are in a position where you're doing the vast majority of that tempo run at your new goal marathon pace. And you've kind of eased yourself into it. You just haven't you know, thrown yourself to the wolves. And, and then been unsuccessful and then you just get defeated and a lot of time, and you just set yourself up for less success that if you, if you just kind of throw yourself into it. So things you can do to combat it. So just, just keep that in mind. Last thing there is what is your goal pace? And before I get any email emails about being an elitist, let me be clear. I'm not downplaying anyone's ability. I'm simply talking about training. And so with that out of the way, you know, one thing I've observed in the last you know 13 years uh, slower runners will have a harder time differentiating tempo runs from easy days, especially early on. Uh, and there's a few reasons for that. One is they 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 they're used to doing like 20, 30 miles a week, so they just they just go out and run. They go out and run their three, four, five miles, and ultimately those are faster than what they'll run the marathon pace in. Um, and for me, I feel like this really occurs at the four hour goal mark and slower. Those folks that's where kind of you can throw the algorithms kind of out the window. Um, you know, They might not see, the difference between their marathon pace and their easy pace isn't gonna be one and a half to two minutes for most people. It's, they're, you know, they're, they're running, they're running it closer to their easy pace than, than what they should be, or, or than they, what they buy, scheme. And so, so like, so take for instance, a four hour marathoner, they're probably running say 50 to 60% of their VO2 max, which for most people, that's where their easy runs. So fast, the faster you get, the higher, the closer to your VO2 max you're running, right? So if your marathon pace is ultimately going to be like 50 to 60% of your marathon or your VO2 max, then that's a lot closer to your easy pace easy pace range, and it's, and it's probably more dangerous for those people to slow way down and force themselves to run too, so slow that they're basically shuffling, right? That's just gonna throw your economy off. It doesn't really do anything to make you faster. So I don't get too upset when people are in that four hour range and they're easy runs and marathon pace, there isn't much difference. But then you 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 move up the chain, up the chain there, and to say you get somebody who's running you know, 3.30, three hours, 230, and then you get into the world class where, you know, at 215, 210, those, those folks are running more like 90% of their VO2 max. They're really straddling that red line of lactate threshold and and uh, being in an aerobic state. Uh, so they're going to be able to get away with, they're, they're going to see the bigger difference. If, if that person is running their easy runs you know, super close to their marathon pace, then they're definitely setting themselves up for failure. So you really have to kind of kind of look at that. Um, so for so basically, if you're you know four hour plus, you might be you might be uh, pretty. Your 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 problem isn't necessarily going to be specific endurance; it's going to be general endurance. We just have to make sure you can physically cover the ground. And what that's ultimately going to be is your easy pace. It's, pr- it's gonna your your marathon pace is actually probably gonna feel fairly comfortable, um, and then the faster you get, the closer to what it's gonna feel like, as far as that lactate burning, the legs hurting, things like that. Um, so just keep that keep that in mind. Let's see if I have any yeah. other notes here on that. No, that's pretty good. So then I've written so, but Luke, you've never really answered the question: How does marathon pace feel? And you're right, but what I wanted you to think about was all the factors involved and in how you personally react to these variables I discussed because it's ultimately going to be on how you feel. Um, however, I've been training with the Hanson Philosophy since 2004. And I will tell you this, when I was at my highest fitness levels, the 10 mile tempo was always a big workout. No doubt about it. That was always when you circled on the calendar and you said, okay, that's one I got to hit, right? And it's, I know you guys are the same way. But when I ran it, I always finish with the feeling that I could have went farther, not 16 miles. I don't feel like I could have run a whole marathon that day at that pace, but I feel like I could have run another three to four miles at that pace. I could talk to my teammates, short sentences. I wasn't like talking to you like I'm talking to you now, but if somebody asked me a question, I could answer them. Um, I wouldn't belager the point. I would just make it and move on. But you're breathing hard but I wasn't labored. I wasn't labored breathing. It was a huffing and I was, you know, that kind of thing. I was, I was just breathing hard. And so when I got to that point, I knew I was ready to go. And if I, I knew, cause I knew that if I could do that in the middle of 120 to 140 mile week, I knew I could run that on fresh legs for a really long time. Now, mind you, I, I, I always, and this is one thing I always did. Like, I felt like, so like I would do a 10 mile tempo or we do our simulator like three, four weeks before the race, and you'd run, thir- you know, half marathon, half marathon to 16 miles at goal marathon pace, and so I would do that, and I would say, okay, I know for sure I can run, say, 16 miles at goal pace right now, tired, this and that, I taper right. I know I'm going to get another two to three percent out of that, so that puts me up to over 20 miles. So say that puts me to 20 to 22 miles. I knew in my mind, I say, so I would say, I knew then at that point, if I could get to 20 to 22 miles, I was going to be in pretty good shape. I knew I could make it that far at pace. And then like all races isn't it, and you guys will fall into this too. It's like that last four miles isn't necessarily going to be dictated by how your tempo runs. Away. It's going to be dictated how mentally you are, how well your fuel planning went, how, how much of the race are you in? So if you're, if you've given up and mentally you've just kind of cashed out you're going to slow down right and if nutritionally you haven't had enough calories you're dehydrated all this and that you make it so much easier for yourself to check out mentally and so really that last 4 miles is less about physical ability but more about mental strength and how you can buckle down focus narrow that focus down on you know who's in front of you are you still on pace to break that that Boston qualifier? Things like that. That's where that's where that last four miles is going to come from, and that's when people are really successful. But the thing is, if we can train you to get you to that twenty to twenty-two miles, where it's that last four to six miles that is the mental thing, you're going to be fairly fairly um, okay. Uh, but if you go out too fast and this and that, and you start that process at like sixteen to eighteen. It's hard to it's hard to do um, it's hard to buckle down that last you know thirty minutes to an hour on that. So just keep that in mind. But I, that's how I always that's how I always felt when I knew I was ready to go, and that's how I felt on the temple run. So let me let me go over that again. Uh, I always felt like it was a big workout. Ten mile temples were always big workouts, but when I got done with it, I always felt like I could have gone another three to four miles at pace. I could have talked to my teammates in short sentences. I was breathing hard, but I wasn't labored, and so that's when I knew I was ready to go. So that's keep that and keep that kind of how you're feeling. You should never get to the end of a tempo, especially those later tempos, and feel like, man, I have nothing left. If you have nothing left, we gotta we gotta work on some things. Um, so for you, this might mean like you could go another two to three miles after a tempo run. I don't expect you to feel like you go three to four miles, but if you can get done and you say, I got, I could have gone another mile, I could have gone another two miles, three miles, whatever the case is. I think you're in a good spot. I just don't want you to feel like, man, that was it. There's no way I could have done anything further than that. Because you got to remember, you're in your peak week, so that's you're gonna be. It's gonna make you tired. You're gonna feel. Uh, you're you're not gonna feel amazing, but you should feel um, like it's doable. Uh, and if you can get to those eight to ten mile tempos and they are essentially races, then you're probably in over your head a little bit and need to evaluate goal pace, recovery, overall volume. Etc. And I wouldn't start, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't make goal pace. My first thing I looked at, I would make recovery paces that I'm running on my other days. And my if I extended myself too far out with uh, the other days and I would look at that first. And then if you know, like, if there's certain things like in your life that you know, you can't change, then maybe we have to adjust the goal pace. But I think you'd look at the other things first before automatically adjusting the goal pace. The bottom line is that if you struggle early, don't panic, but if by the time you've reached six to eight weeks to go in the schedule, and this is referring more to the classic 18-week plan, and you just can't find your rhythm, then don't be scared to look at other all the factors and reevaluate. I think this is especially true for p- people trying to make the big jumps in, in, their, in their training. So ultimately what you're going to have to decide at that point is if that's something you want to do, And you're willing to risk crashing and burning, then I honestly have no problem with doing that. But if ultimately all you want to do is just have a nice big PR, what if we just split the difference? Instead of going for a 30-minute PR, let's go for a 15-minute PR. And then we can back that off. We can make training feel a little bit more comfortable. We can kind of dial back that indication that we're overtraining a little bit and then get you moving on into where um, you're still going to be successful, still going to have a big PR. And heck, you might even actually surprise yourself and even run faster than that because you've actually allowed yourself to recover just enough to get yourself back on track fitness-wise. So, so ultimately, that's how marathon pace tempo Runs should feel. However, you're going to have a whole spectrum of things going on. But the big thing you have to take away from that is that uh, if you feel like you're over your head – and that you've gone completely to the well, especially on those eight, nine, 10 mile tempos, then it's going to probably be time to relook at some things. So, so hopefully that helps you. Um, especially as we at this time we're recording this, a lot of you are getting into that point where you're into that last six, eight weeks of the training. So hopefully this, this can help you. Okay, so let's go over questions. Let's see what we got here do. All right. So let's look at some of these. Okay. So Donnie is there a half marathon blog on race strategy for half marathons as there is for the full marathon race? Unfortunately, no. Um, half marathons are definitely coming to the forefront of what we're doing now. Um, you know, obviously we're mostly known for the marathon stuff, but we're trying to get more half marathon things in, but really ultimately you kind of stay the same, especially, um, you know, in that, if you're in that hour 30 to two hour range for the half marathon, you really treat it a lot like the marathon where you really want to be conservative in the beginning and then gradually pick it up along the way, which is actually going to be more doable in the half because it's, it's just half the distance, right? You can you can physiologically handle that a little bit better, but um, you definitely with the half run the risk of going into that red zone more than you do for the marathon. Because like if you do if you go out in a marathon and you go out at half marathon pace, that's your own fault, right? There's no reason for you to be going out at your half marathon pace in a full marathon. But if you're going out in a half marathon you're a lot closer to that kind of lactate threshold point. And beyond that, then that's where things get a little scary. You can't maintain that pace for too awful long. Um, So if if you're a lot closer to that, your margin of error is significantly less. So you wanna just make sure you put yourself in a position where you're really only hurting that last 30 to 45 minutes. Um, And then you can still like, you'll have that lung burning sensation, but lactate threshold, you can really run at that point for about an hour 45 minutes to an hour so if you stay within that 45 minutes before you you know kind of cross into that red zone you can you can gut it out and be okay you just have to it's just gonna it's gonna hurt um but you definitely just want to like the marathon you really you want to build into it it's just that your margin of error is going to be significantly less on that um so you're oh okay so you're looking to run 119 so honestly like what i would say for you donnie is that like if, if you were looking around under 120, you want to get to a point where that first 35 minutes is it's not comfortable, but you're not like, if you're, if you're five seconds under your goal, half marathon pace per mile, not a big deal because you get to that, you get to that 10 K mark or you get to um, eight miles, you can really start letting it rip and you can make up that time. No problem. Um, but if you go out and all of a sudden you're, approaching you know 10k pace right off the bat within the first couple of miles, you really kind of set yourself up for um, overdoing it and then you're just gonna you're gonna have a pretty bad fade the last in your case, probably the last two, or three miles, you have a pretty bad fade. So you want to kind of you want to kind of take that out of the equation by using the first three to four miles is a build up into the into your goal pace. And then just by standard of deviation, you're probably gonna be a little fast from there on out anyway, and you should be you should be pretty good. All right, so Brank, you are asking, I've been doing strength training twice a week, squats, front squats, blah, 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 all for three months as part of the training for the marathon September 16th. At what point, taper, should I stop the strength training? Uh, you know, actually, you should probably do it up until about the last 10 days and then back off the heavy stuff. And then if you still wanna do core, Things like that, you definitely can. that's um, not that's not a problem. And that actually kind of helps maintain some things and just from a routine standpoint, you just don't stop lifting heavy stuff about about 10 days before. All right. And then uh let's see, so Sherry is asking I'm a little over three weeks since my last marathon, I have a half marathon, October 28th, and just loaded the new 12-week plan. I've been running. Easy for the fast 10 days working on nutrition with Nikki. I was thinking about, I was thinking that I should wait at least four weeks post-marathon, which is this Saturday, before doing any SOS runs, but do I need to wait longer? Legs are feeling pretty good most of the time. No, I think four weeks is pretty good. You know, that's uh, you know, that's a little bit of time off and then a couple weeks of building up your mileage again. I just wouldn't do anything, I would even, it doesn't have to be a full workout. I would even say, you know, uh if you scale it back by 25% or just make it a little bit slower, you know, just don't do anything past, you know, maybe make your first mar- your first workout like like the four by one at marathon pace would actually be a pretty good first workout back. Because it just kind of gets you back into the routine of doing a workout. So what I'd usually do is like something like that, like a four by one at marathon pace. And then the next one be a longer run. So like a 10 to 12 mile long run. And then so that'd be, if that's your fifth week, then your sixth week, then you can start getting after a little bit, but I make them, I, I definitely make them softball workouts. So it'd be something like the four by one, then a long run, then maybe like a speed, like a, a 400 meter, a 12 by 400 workout or 10 by 400 workout. Cause everybody can hit 400s, right? You don't, you know, everybody can do one lap around the track at a pace. They can do that. And that's just a little bit of confidence builder gets you back into the routine of doing workouts, things like that. So, First two weeks, I'd probably do something like that, and and then and then you should be able to to get into it. But if you're feeling good, you know, and I think too, you have to real you have to kind of look at you know you might feel like crap when you do those workouts, but physically you're probably fine. It's just the fact that you've gone from running easy to all of a sudden now you're jumping up in an effort, Um, so you might have that little shock to the system. But for the most part, you should be should be okay uh second question I'm planning to hire you as a coach ooh my marathon training cycle for eugene 2019 attempt to be training will start towards the end of december what is the time to start the coaching plan uh you know i'd say 16 16 18 weeks out whatever that works out to be um i mean you probably don't need me when you're on downtime and then just running miles you probably don't need me is to be looking over your shoulder, um, but let's see, what, when is that, what'd you say, Eugene, you think, is that, I think that's a May marathon, right, so let's take a look at that, so yeah, you're looking, April, March, February, January, so yeah, you get, you get into January, April, okay, so first part of January, probably still be all right, you still be pretty good, Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause like I said, I don't think you really need me to be looking over your shoulder for that first month. Just take your downtime, come back easy, follow like, you know, one of the recovery plans and, uh, and be good to go. And then if you're in the running club, you know, you have that access to that too. So I don't think there's any need to have me uh, writing anything individually out for you. So I think you'll be good. Um, so good stuff. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, so that looks like it for the questions on here. Sorry again about that. I'm, I keep trying new things, but I try them at the worst time. I don't ever practice them and I just kind of line it up and then it doesn't work. So that's my fault. And I apologize, but I think we're good now. Everybody got their questions answered. And, uh, what I'll do is I need to make some edits to my little blog post and then obviously edit this video. Cause there's like 15 minutes of nothing on there. And then, uh, we'll get this posted for you guys to look at and listen to again. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me and sticking in there for me. Uh, have a good rest of your week and I will talk to you later. And if you're racing this weekend, good luck. Everybody stay, uh, stay recovered and, uh, all right, I'll talk to you later. All right. See ya.